Welcome to my Soul Life podcast. This is my playground and I'm your host, Susan Scollin. I believe that we can live a life we love every day. To do this, we have to go on a journey to uncover who we are on every layer. Join me each Monday for conversations about following our soul's calling and embodying what lights us up so we can become even more amazing people. And then later in the week, I'll be back with our Soul Life Conversations, where we open up and explore who we truly are to become authentically us. Be inspired. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Today I'm chatting with Amanda Kate. This conversation is truly divine. And again, I was honored to be in the space of an amazing soul who's in her alignment, messy as we humans are. Amanda Kate is a kinesiologist, mentor, mother, and more. Author of Divine Messy Human, a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence, she released the book with the information, tips, and practices that have helped her move from self-loathing to self-acceptance, self-love, and self-empowerment. A recovering people pleaser and self-flagellator, she walks the path straddling the divine and messy daily always growing and developing and learning new ways of being to hopefully one day leave the earth a better place than she found it. Amanda Kate helps people regain their vitality, smashing through their internal glass ceiling and limitations to find new levels of health, vibrant uh, vitality and abundance. She also works with business owners to increase their vibration and attract greater wealth and prosperity. Amanda lives in Melbourne, Australia with her twin flame, her children, his children, and a dog named Zeus. I met Amanda through a fellow health coach, Sharon, and she told me about this incredible friend she had and that she might be somebody I'd like to chat with. Well, we did that and then some. I dove into Amanda's book, Divine Messy Human, took so many sweet gems from it and have been privileged to have some wonderful conversations with her too. I know you're going to love this chat, so get your running shoes on and head out the door for a walk or pop it in your ears whilst driving or grab a cuppa and relax on the couch. You're in for an absolute treat. Enjoy this conversation and the energy that it creates for you. And Amanda and I would love to know what resonated with you about this episode. So if if it feels aligned to you, come and share with us what you took away from this episode on my website, susanscollin.com or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast. And you can get all of Amanda's contact details via the show notes for this episode on my website too. See you inside. Welcome, Amanda. I am pumped to have this conversation with you today. We've had a few technical difficulties to get started, but we are here. That is the main point. So welcome and thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Susan. It's been great getting to know you over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I've been had the honour of diving into your book, which has been so fun and so enlightening, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I'd love to um, learn about what's bringing you the most joy at the moment. Oh, I think life in general, it's really interesting going back, you know, five, even seven years. I never thought that I would actually wake up loving my life. Like I really didn't. And the fact that I do is just massive. Like every day I walk the dog with my puppy and that's the start of my day. And it's just, it's so joy filled. You know, my relationship is amazing. My kids have just been gobsmacking me the way they are maturing. And so I literally just sit back and go, oh, my God, I've actually made a life that I love. So, yeah, everything at the moment is giving me joy, which I know is a huge answer. But, uh, yeah, compared to where I was, it's phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. No, thank you for giving that to us because, you know, so many people are walking around and, and are struggling in their lives. They may love components of it, yep. but to see people who are actually loving, you know, every part of their life, even with the struggles that come yeah. up, yeah. like it, it's totally possible. That's what I love. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. I, I never realised it was possible. And, you know, with the with the inner work that I've done and with um, the other stuff that I do, I I've found ways to keep a base level of joy even through the tumultuous life stuff that happens. So even when, you know, the shit hits the fan, I'm able to go, well, you know, let's look at this on the big scheme of things mm-hmm. and, you know, put it into perspective a little bit and, or what am I missing here that can give me a different 
outlook on it or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. And it's not about brushing it under the carpet. It's just going, like you said, let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Will we care about this in 12 months, five years, two minutes, you know, that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Um, and then going, and what is, like you said, what is the lesson if it's appropriate or yeah. what do I need to let go of what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Mm, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, can you take us on your journey and share us your 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 challenges and the things that you've faced and, and then we'll come into the work that you're doing in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, um, you know, I had a pretty decent childhood, you know, we were, um, you know, money was tight when I was younger, but mum would make our clothes and, you know, we had a pretty happy, carefree kind of childhood really, um, brought up in the church, which, you know, created, I guess, some stuff that I've unpacked as I got older. Um, and, you know, I guess some of the views and the ideas um, of that um, needed to be unpacked. Um, you know, went to the UK for my working holiday visa, ended up getting married um, and living over the other side of the world. Again, that, you know, created its own set of issues, um, especially in the environment that I was living. Um, you know, it was very unsupported. I was doing it pretty much on my own with, you know, nobody had my back um, for a long, long time. Um, and then we had an opportunity to emigrate back to Australia um, and my ex-husband didn't want to go to Adelaide. He didn't want to be close to my family if he couldn't be close to his. So he made sure that he was not looking for work, you know, around my family. Um, so we started looking Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and we ended up in Melbourne, which was um you know, has been an adventure on its own. I think I'll have been here 11 years soon. Um, so, yeah, did 11 years in the UK and now 11 years in in Melbourne. And shortly after we moved back, you know, things just started getting really, really tough again. Um, I thought that it might be the change our relationship needed to actually draw us together. Um, and I'd been really hoping for that, I guess. Um, I, I sort of wanted my marriage to succeed. Um And then I started getting really, really unwell about 18 months to two years after we moved back. Um, Actually, it was about 18 months after we moved back. Um, And I would need three-hour naps in the afternoon. I just was not functioning at all. Um, And there was a lot of stuff going on under the surface that I hadn't been aware of. I was seeing all these doctors and getting heaps of tests and they were like, but you're the healthiest sick person we've ever seen. You know, all your tests are fine and all of this is good. And, but we can see you're struggling. And so they wanted to put me on antidepressants. And I was like, well, I don't feel like I'm depressed. Mm. Like from what I've read on depression, it doesn't feel like that. Um, and so anyway, at the beginning of 2015, we went on a big family holiday. There was quite a traumatic event um, that occurred uh, whereby, I won't go into all the details, of course, but, um, yeah, I was basically screamed at for about four hours straight. Um, everything that was wrong with me, everything that was broken in me, everything that was, you know, not perfect was just ripped apart. And I felt after that I couldn't put myself back together. Um, it came after the most toxic year of our marriage um, and we'd had some pretty toxic times in that. Coming from both of us, of course, you know, nobody's blameless. It does take two to tango. Um, but living in that kind of environment when, you know, you, you're empathic and and the other person is is very much about themselves and sees themselves as, as pretty well perfect, um, it, it's quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, I got back from that holiday and I couldn't, I, people had asked me how I was and I just, I just break down. I couldn't even answer the question. So I went to go and get a mental health care plan because I truly believed I was broke and I thought there was something fundamentally wrong with me. Um, and as a result, ended up um, finding kinesiology. So I'd, I'd rung to get a mental health care plan went to a psychologist who also did mindfulness courses and assertiveness courses and things like that. So I booked in for all of that. But the receptionist said, well, that's six weeks away yet. You know, what's going on for you? And I gave her the brief outline of, which was, again, it was the the protected explanation that, you know, my son was being bullied at school. My daughter used to have like four-hour tantrums and I was supporting a, a husband who had moved away from his family and was miserable in his job. Mm. 
So I kind of gave the party line, so to speak, that was socially acceptable. Um, And she said, so who's got your back? And that was probably the most transformative question in so many ways because I knew I was holding it all up. I was the, you know, I was the house of cards but it was inverted and I was the bottom card holding everything on my shoulders and all it would take and all it did take was a little push and it all came crashing down. Um, And in that she said, well, how about you come and see this kinesiologist who's here? And I'm like, I have no idea what that is but I'm willing to try anything right now. I'm so broken. Um, which again, you know, with my work now, I understand I'm not actually broken and I never was broken. Um, there was nothing fundamentally wrong with me. Um, I was actually just living a, a pretty crappy human experience at that point in time. Um, and so that started my journey, really. That first session of kinesiology just changed the way I saw everything. It was, she said to me at one point, I don't think you realize how emotionally abused you are. And I was like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but a lot of what I was experiencing was my normal. Yeah. You know, it, it it was so normal to me that as much as that all made sense, it took me a while to actually unpack what the truth behind all of that stuff was because to me I didn't see anything abnormal in what I'd been experiencing because it was what I'd I'd. I guess I'd experienced for such a long time. And and so that really started me on my journey. Within six months of that, I was studying kinesiology and I think it was less than a year after that I was, um, you know, starting to charge for it. Um, and, yeah, my marriage broke down at the beginning of 2016 um, just to the point where it was like, no, this, this I can't do any more fixing of myself. I think the marriage itself needs to end. And I did that for me and for my ex-husband. I, You know, I couldn't love him the way he wanted and needed to be loved. He couldn't love me the way I wanted and needed to be loved. And I knew there was better love that I could demonstrate for my children mm-hmm. because if either of them had been in that relationship, I'd have been devastated stated for them um but living it myself I was like well this is all I deserve you know and I made all the excuses around it and that's actually a question I often ask my clients now is would you want your children living your life Mm. because a lot of people go well perhaps not and that's when they can sometimes make real changes because as much as I hate thinking about it, as as women especially, I mean men do it too, but seemingly to a lesser extent from what I've experienced, women often find it easier to start changing for somebody else. Yes. And so whether that be for our children or, you know, whatever, if it comes down to us changing for ourselves to make our own lives better, often we will rail and fight against it and not actually take that path. But when we're doing it for our children, it's like we find a, a, a new level to be able to dig in and go, yeah, actually this this does need to change. And so they were my original catalyst to make the changes I needed to make. And then I don't even know when it was. I don't think you ever actually realise the moment it changes, but all of a sudden it was like, hang on, I'm not doing this for anyone but me now. Yeah. And I realised that I needed to be the most important person in my life and that if I could do that, then everyone else would naturally be looked after anyway. Yeah. And, yeah, so then when I started studying kinesiology, it was like every time I learned stuff I just wanted to know more and more and more. So I ended up um, overlapping my advanced diploma and my diploma. So I hadn't quite finished my diploma. I still had six months left and I started on my advanced diploma. Um, I did three modules of TBM, which was being offered at the school. I did the advanced quantum neurology. I did um, our teacher's advanced techniques, which he gets from all of the other stuff that he's studied and brought in. Um, I did uh, hormones and glands stuff, like literally everything that was offered, I jumped in with both feet. Um, And I think I did about the equivalent of six years' worth of study in four years um, to get it done because I just... 
I just, the more I knew, the more I realized I didn't know. And I think I'm still like that. The more I know and the more I learn, the more I realize I actually have no clue <laughs> about so many things. <laughs> yeah. And then new things come in and keep flying at you and you're like, oh, yep. crap, this is awesome. But, oh, yeah. my God, where do I fit this in? Okay, let's yep. just do it. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And one of my um, one of my passion and purpose archetypes is the sage. And so she's always wanting to learn so that she can learn and increase wisdom. And, you know, the sage isn't just about um, acquiring knowledge. It's about, you know, yeah. looking at that. So uh, tapping into my own inner sage is very much about, you know, I want to learn more so that I can improve myself and my lived experience. And then I can help other people improve theirs through that so yeah so that's pretty amazing too <laughs> that means I'm always looking at a new course <laughs> yeah but your face and your like uh energy just shifted as you were just talking about that like you just yeah. sat back in the chair hand on heart like yeah you were in your zone just in that yeah. like you're in oh, your look, zone period it. but you know <laughs> oh, I love it I love it you know and I think that's it you know um I ended up doing my archetypal life coaching through a now um, and Pip McKay and it has again it's just taken my knowledge of all of the stuff that I've done through kinesiology just to a different level again so yeah it's been pretty amazing to you know continue studying um, as I was finishing up I found myself searching for more courses and I went oh no 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 no, no. just have a little bit of time off let all this stuff sink in um, and then maybe <laughs> so I've banned myself from any new courses um, until at least next year because <laughs> otherwise I know what I'm like <laughs> yeah. yeah and then once you open the floodgates it's like they just all start coming in yeah. Oh, yeah. I found myself searching on this um, astro herbalism course and I'm like, oh, my God, that would be amazing, you know, doing the astrology charts and then learning the herb- herbs that go with it. And and I'm like, just stop. <laughs> just give yourself a break. <laughs> yeah. yes. And, like, you know, you've just finished your book and you've published yeah. your book. Like, <laughs> yeah. You were I've got enough me, on my plate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's about the promotion of the book, but also rebuilding your business because yes. the book took a lot out of you. Oh, to absolutely. Create that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and there's only so much energy to go around. So yeah, it is. It is very much about you know siloing it a little bit more now and making sure that all the things that need to be looked after are being looked after well yeah. and not half-heartedly because I'm off, you know, <laughs> doing more study and. <laughs> As much as I would love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you think about the person that you were, so 10 years ago or eight years ago, that kind of stuff, would she have believed that you would be where you are now? Oh, never, never. She hated herself. She hated her life. She was miserable. Um, it was, you know, she knew that she should be happy because she ticked all the boxes on paper, you know, had a rich, successful husband who, you know, two beautiful children, um, you know, we travelled quite a bit. On paper it looked great, but it was not nourishing me. It was not nourishing my soul. It was not life-affirming for me and I was miserable and I was struggling. Um, and it was a daily struggle. You know, there were times that I didn't want to wake up. There were times that I did, you know, I understand what the chronic fatigue was, was doing to me because it was just my body and my soul going, this is not the existence you're supposed to live. And I denied it because I trusted all of the external influences that told me it was my problem. You know, every time I spoke about, you know, what was actually going on, most people would go, you know, and be like, no, this is really because it didn't feel normal to me, but I kept getting it reinforced that, you know, oh, you can only change yourself and all of that, which is a great platitude and I kind of do understand it, but in my brain the way that that got processed was there's something fundamentally wrong with you. You're the problem. And now with the wisdom I guess I've gained through all of that study, yeah, it was me and I did need to change. However, it wasn't because I was fundamentally flawed and broken and wrong and a shitty person and all the rest of it. It was actually because I wasn't tapping into my greatest potential and I wasn't living what I was put here to do. Mm. And, And that's the difference. And having uncovered all of that and, you know, I guess it sounds easy when you talk to somebody who has done a lot of their journeying, 
because it makes it sound like, oh, you know, I just did some work and off we went. But, you know, there's been some really, really, I remember at one point I'd say to people, every time I think I've hit rock bottom, it's like I bounce along it a little bit and I find a whole new level of low. And I would hit another rock bottom and I would just be, I'd be in sessions just going, I don't know there's more rock bottom to hit. And then I'd bounce along and find another one and bounce along and find another one. And it wasn't an easy journey, yet at the same time it was because I knew I had to do it. Mm. And even the feeling of all of that and the clearing of all of that was still nicer than what I was living Mm. and the unpacking Mm. of it and the understanding that I grew about myself. And I think that's the biggest thing I've gotten out of it. I now 100% trust myself. I know I will never put myself in a situation where I'm being abused again. I will never put myself in a situation where I don't feel safe again. I only share with people what feels safe to share. So there are people who I wish I was closer to, but they are not safe for me to share certain bits of me with. And so I will share as deep as they that I know I will be safe at. And so there's a lot of the boundaries that I've been able to build because I now know myself so deeply. And, you know, it's not all love and light. You know, there's plenty of shadows and shit in there. And that's part of also what I need to learn to love is is my reactive bits, is my defensiveness, is my, you know, all of those pain behaviours and defence mechanisms that I had built up over the years to keep me safe. And they still will raise their head because, you know, it is that messiness of being human. Um, it's the it's that programming that is sometimes so easy to slip into if we're not fully aware. And as soon as we go into that stress state, we're not fully aware. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But it is even in the stress state, it's becoming less and less because I'm doing so much work on it still. Mm. And you just hit on a really good point around a lot of us will, a lot of people will say, you know, well, I'm a bad person because I just can't figure these things out. Like I just can't, I keep reacting perhaps to my kids or I keep reacting to my husband, whatever. But knowing that you're doing it for a reason and that within your body is to be safe. Yeah. It can be then safe to explore that why. Yeah. Oh, Exactly. Yeah. As soon as you realise that every single pattern you have is there to keep you safe, everything actually becomes a lot easier because you can then almost reason with it, reason with that inner child who is arcing up or the inner teenager who is ready to bite your head off because she's feeling so restricted and, and held back and whichever part of it it is, you can start to look at and actually have compassion for them. Mm-hmm. And then as we learn to parent our inner children better and our inner teenagers better, we can develop new resources Mm -hmm. so that they don't feel like they have to lash out or act out in certain ways to be safe or to be noticed or to get love or whatever. Yeah. Because a lot of those, um, you know, mechanisms that we use are our flawed ways of trying to get people to love us and trying to fit into the tribe in which we were born so that we're not cast out into the wilderness to die because the brain only knows white and black, right and wrong, yes and no, life and death. It doesn't understand all of the paradoxes of multiple things being true at the same time. Mm. And that's the part that the wisdom brings in the more work we do. We start to be able to hold them both together. Yeah. So can you dive into those paradoxes and you do that beautifully in your book? You talk about the masculine and the feminine, mm. talk about emotions and the fact that we can hold two or, two or multiple emotions at the same time, whereas yes. our brain is telling us, no, 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 you have to either be happy or sad. You can't be happy and sad at the same time. Yeah. Our, I think, you know, our, what we often think is we think that our subconscious is held in our brain somewhere, but our subconscious is actually held in our cells, in every cell in our body, in our auric field, in our energy centres. Our subconscious is the sum total of who we are and everything we've been through, everything that we ever were, will, are, or ever will be. Like it's all in that bit that we call the subconscious. But it doesn't just exist between the ears. 
The brain want is almost, I, I sort of look at it more in that ego perspective of it is here to keep us safe. It is here to be in that 3D reality of anchoring us into nowness. But in doing so, it is trying to keep us safe. And so it's looking at the right and wrong, the yes and no, and it looks very much in the binary of that. So binary is basically where there are two options. And so even when I was looking at my marriage, I was looking at I stay or I go. And I couldn't think outside of the stay or go. And yet there probably were other options. I just couldn't see them. And and realistically, the right option for me was was to go. Now, with life, life doesn't actually exist in binary, you know, and we see that, I guess, a lot with gender at the moment, with people having all sorts of different identities and things that they want to identify as. Now, when I speak about the masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about gender. I'm not talking about our identification with our sex or sexuality. It is purely, I guess, that binary within us, the masculine and the feminine. But what the two of them do is they combine to make the whole. So if you think about the male sex organs, they are out there, they're projective, you can see them, they're they're doing stuff and that is the masculine aspects of life. The female sex organs are tucked away, they're hidden, they're more receptive. So it's much more about the internal state of our being, not the external state. And so I guess, I mean, you can call it yin and yang or shiva and shakti or masculine feminine you know, whatever terminology works for you, but basically it's to describe the two sides of the same coin. So our in-breath is feminine, our out-breath is masculine. Now, you can't just breathe in and you can't just breathe out. You need both. And so we need our internal masculine and feminine to be a whole person. And often what we're taught in patriarchal society is to look outside ourselves for all of our validation of who we are, of what we should be, that we're never good enough and that we need to look at external values for what our internal state needs to match up to. But in looking at that, we get distracted from what our internal state is actually leading us towards. And our masculine, if you think about it in terms of the conscious and unconscious mind, the conscious mind is our masculine, it's our divine masculine, and our unconscious is our divine feminine. Now, when our conscious and unconscious mind are in true marriage with each other, in true partnership, we can live in our divinity in a much easier way because we're honouring the totality of who we are and we can access all of that wisdom and awareness that comes from that whole. And so, again, when we're feeling emotions, we'll often go, well, I'm feeling really angry. Well, great. That's a nice one to feel because it feels like we're doing something. Mm-hmm. And so then we feel like we're fixing a problem. And even if we're offloading all that shit onto somebody else, we feel like we're doing something with our anger and we feel like it's very constructive, even though most of the time it's really not. But if we dive underneath the anger, anger is there to show us when we're afraid, when our boundaries have been crossed. It's often easier to feel angry than hurt, so we will choose anger over hurt, even if it is a subconscious choosing. And when you look at some of the other things, we might be feeling unloved, unworthy or unsafe and any one of the other belief systems that kind of fit into those main three. They are the main three belief systems that we have, unloved, unworthy, unsafe. And and so all of that is actually a lot of different emotions floating around. And we can feel them all at the same time. If anyone has experienced grief, you know that in grief you can also feel huge anger And it sits alongside a bittersweetness and a sadness and a joy that you had that much love, that you could feel that much grief. There's so much complexity to it. And even with life, you know, look at the Roe versus Wade recently. Everyone's putting people into two camps. You can be pro-choice or pro-life. Well, realistically, I don't know too many people apart from, you know, perhaps psychopaths who aren't (laughs) pro-life. 
And so to binary it in that way takes out the complexity of all of that discussion that actually should be happening at a much deeper level. But we seem to be, you know, even with, um, you know, go back to the COVID stuff, it was either pro-vax or anti-vax. Well, a lot of those people were about bodily autonomy or they were about, you know, finding different ways, like natural ways to keep themselves healthy or whatever it was. There were heaps of different viewpoints within those two camps. And yet to make it easier to digest, it was put into two camps, yet it was actually a really complex issue that needed a lot more nuanced, complex conversation around it. And so you can see just in those couple of issues, that's, you know, I know they're external issues, but we have all of that within us as well. There are decisions that we make that are not yes or no. They're not black and white. They're nuanced and complex and they take time for us to work through and build our discernment around and, you know, tap into our intuition on to find our insightfulness, to find our creativity to solve the problem that we're in. Mm. And so there's all of these different complex things that need to come into it and yet we boil it down to yes, no, right, wrong, black, white, angry, sad. (laughs) And do you think that's because we want it to be easy, like we just want to like just simplify everything as opposed to let's have a deeper conversation and really truly one within ourselves because we can do the internal work but also like looking at the issues that you've raised, very poignant issues, mm. like actually have being brave and having conversations and seeing that there are other options, there are other ways to look at this. I think, um, again, you know, we could narrow it down into, into quite a, an easy-to-digest thing, but it is so nuanced and complex. So I will give as easy an answer <laughs> as I, I feel I can. I think there are, there are multiple things that feed into it. One is that we have gone into a linear patriarchal model instead of a global, a three-dimensional global model of the goddess. The goddess is everything. It is life, death, rebirth. It is the entire creation and destruction cycle. It is breaking things down and building things up. The patriarchal model is linear. It is I am ahead of you and I'm going to damn well do my best to stay there. Mm. It is about othering people, which is, again, where we go into the gender discrimination, the race discrimination, the ableism, all of that sort of stuff, unless you are cis, you know, um, white, male, 1% actually, because I believe there's actually a lot of white men who are, you know, damaged by this system. Actually, I think everybody is damaged by the system. (laughs) But, you know, we separated ourselves from the goddess and from creation and we made it into this linear competitive streak of you are not good enough and fundamentally we are all raised to believe we are not good enough. That's why marketing works. Well, if you just buy my face cream, you'll be perfect. You know, that's what we're sold constantly in all of the messaging. And the more aware of it you become, the more you see it and the more aware of it you become. And it's quite fascinating because, again, I think this is why we try and simplify everything because if we just do this, then everything will be okay. If we do this, then it'll all be okay. And yet actually there's this whole range of intermingled, interwoven facets of life that need to be honoured, acknowledged, looked at, conversed with, you know, even just going back to, say, the VAX issue, um, you know, looking at that for me was a huge decision. I looked at research on both sides of the thing. I spent ages researching it, looking into it, looking at natural ways of doing it. Looking, Like I can't tell you how many hours I sunk into it because for me it wasn't a yes, no. And that's just, you know, that's just an easy one from the last couple of years to use as an example. But I think we're often afraid also to trust our internal landscape because we've been told that is untrustworthy. The internal landscape is the feminine and they tried to kill that off when they killed off the goddess and made God this separate 
entity up in the sky who rained down wrath and vengeance and all of that. I don't believe in that God. I believe that God is all loving and I think he gave us all free will choice mm-hmm. as adults and he loves us even with our mistakes, even with our imperfections. He gave us free will choice for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that side of things I find is is fascinating. But as we got separated from God and the goddess cycles of life, it's we've started to look more and more outside ourselves for the answers. And so rather than critically thinking, rather than feeling into what feels right for my body, we defer our decisions to external people, yeah, to people outside of ourselves. So, yeah, so that's, I guess that's where I go to with, with all of that. And, and my work is about teaching people to look inside themselves for the answer because they know. You know, I knew I needed to leave my marriage and yet I almost wanted to survey monkey everybody and get them to tell me to leave because I was too afraid to make that decision on my own. You know, when we when we talk about, you know, and that happens with a lot of people in relationships, how many friends come up to you and go, oh, my God, you know, especially when you're dating, when you're younger, oh, my God, he's such an ass or whatever it is. And, you know, you're really wanting someone else to tell you, yeah, he is, and you should leave him. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's my validation because we're not trusting our internal messaging. Mm-hmm. Or in those jobs that we hate, oh, my boss is so horrible, I hate going to work, blah, 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 and we bitch and we moan. And what we're really doing is kind of survey monkeying everyone to get them to give us the answer that we want to validate our own internal landscape. Yeah. And that's that's where I think, you know, we 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 are challenged with it. Yeah. And so it's it's learning to go within first and to look at that internal landscape and to feel into it. And then start looking externally for things that, you know, guide us in the right way. Yeah, that align with us. And then, like, you know, the, all the kinesiology and coaching and stuff that you've done, it was because it was aligned to you, not because yeah. you thought it was a smart decision or I'll just go and tick this box no. and get this done. No, it was because I lived it. Yeah. And in living it, I realised how much it helped me. And I always said if I could just help, you know, a handful of people the way it's helped me, I'll have, I'll have lived a good life. You know, and it is, it's phenomenal. I love watching the changes. I just finished a coaching session yesterday and I was buzzing after I finished. And, you know, she'll do a follow-up in about a month or so. But, you know, it's like watching your baby birds fly out the nest. You've resourced them with tools and and life skills and greater trust in their intuition and greater trust in themselves as sovereign decision-makers in their life. And it's amazing to watch them get ready to fly. Yeah. And and I think that is one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I get that buzz too. Like, oh, my mm. gosh, look at them go. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, yeah. It's amazing. And it's so inspiring because, and you know that it will have an, a, a flow-on effect from their life, the people that are around them, and you may yeah. never meet them, never have anything to do with them, but you know that that's going to just start to be created. Yeah. And I look at that, you know, I actually said that a couple of years ago, you know, I would love to be able to help 5,000 people who each then help 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming that, you know, that ripple effect out yeah. because the more healing we bring into the world, the more trust in our internal canvas, the more trust in ourselves, and the more we start to put ourselves first in a high vibration way, the better off everybody around us is. They all benefit from that. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. And that's breaking the narrative around putting yourself first is selfish when it's yeah. not. And yes. You write about it that in the book as well. But actually when you put yourself first in, like you said, a high vibrational way, in an aligned way, in a way mm. that's true to you and your values and who you want to be out in the world, that has a massive flow-on effect to the people around you that you cannot see when you start on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting actually, um, you know, I mentioned um, earlier that I'm just so proud of where my children have come over the last 12 months especially. They've had some responses to things that have gone on in their life. They're not reactionary, they're responses. 
and I can directly see the work that I have done how through osmosis it has changed their behaviours, their outlooks, their, you know, instead of reacting, they're responding and they're making choices that are smart and informed. And I know a lot of it has come down to the work I've done because I can see it in them. And the way that they come to me and we talk about things now is phenomenal because they know that nothing's really off limits. They can talk about whatever they need to talk about and they can ask me the hard questions and I'll give them the hard answers. And there's this level of openness and honesty and, yes, part of that comes with age. But we often laugh about, you know, the woman I was before versus the woman I am now. And, you know, how grateful I think all of us are that I found the work and that that I've actually done it. Yeah, and I believe, truly believe our kids are a reflection of us. So, you know, like seeing their growth is like a reflection of your growth as well and yeah. you know what you've done and you know what you've achieved. But to yeah. then be able to have those deeper conversations with them that you couldn't have had five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 years ago, however, you know, how yeah. old your kids are, you couldn't have been in a position to do that. No. Um, and so you've given them that gift which then they can take out into life because, there was, like you said, it was via osmosis. They're yeah. not physically doing the work. You're doing no. all of that, but they get the benefit of it. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I love about the energy work. The energy work doesn't just affect me when I do it. It also affects down the line to my children and their children and so on. And it goes back up the line and it helps our ancestors. It helps our parents. It helps our grandparents. It helps all of those that came before us to also be less affected by that ancestral traumas. And, and I, I just, I love watching it flow out both directions from me and knowing that, you know, if my kids take on their own work, it will only amplify what I've done and add a whole new dimension that I won't even be able to, you know, acknowledge or see yet because it's something that is yeah. beyond that yes. line of sight that I have at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so can you touch on that becoming like who have you become because you've gone on that this journey? And I appreciate that you're still becoming that person. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever stop becoming. Um, and I, t- I do, you know, I honestly talk about that, you know, unless we are fully enlightened, we've still got work to do. We've still got layers to unpack. And most people think they're closer to enlightenment than they are. Um, I know I've still got a long, long way to go. You know, I got really, really upset at something that really (laughs) triggered me and activated me on Thursday and I lost my shit a couple of times. Now, that to me shows I'm not enlightened yet. I've got a long, long way to go. I've still got heaps to unpack. And I think the more realism we bring into it, the more laughter we bring into it, the more we can actually go, okay, this is just where we're at and this is just what we need to do. Um, But, yeah, so unpacking all of that kind of stuff, um, I think what it's helped me do, and this is the way I describe the healing journey to a lot of my clients, is we're going back and picking up all of those pieces that we have cut off or repressed or suppressed or swept under a rug or hidden away because of shame. And we're picking up those pieces and learning how to love them. We're learning to see the gifts that they've given us and we're bringing them back into the fold. So we're becoming more and more whole. We are... It's not necessarily about healing. It is becoming more whole. It is becoming more of who we are. And it's not denying the crappy stuff. It's not denying our shadows. It's not denying our light. And I can tell you now, I found the shadow work and I still find the shadow work much easier. Mm. I can own all of the shitty bits of me. I... (laughs) You know, I am hand up, yeah, that's so me. I'm reactive, I'm defensive, you know, all of the things. I'm an Aries and Aries who are not in their healed nature are very fiery and I'll own it. And then and I've got Taurus rising, so I've got a ram and a bull. So, you know, there's a bit of stubbornness in there as well, you know. (laughs) So having all of that kind of thing as well, I'm well aware of my shortcomings and you know, but they're part of who make me me. And every single one of those shortcomings was a way that I used to keep myself safe. Mm. It was a way that I felt that I could 
be safe out in the world. And so the more that I love those parts, funnily enough, the less they show their head because they don't need to scream to be loved anymore. They're just loved. Mm -hmm. And the more I learn to love them, the less they come out because they know that they're safe, that they've been seen, that they've been validated. The bits I really struggled with were the light parts of me, the brilliant parts of me, the loving parts of me, the amazing parts of me. I found that harder to own because I'd always been told that that was not me. And so they were actually much, much harder to own. I'd been told I was all the shitty things for years and years and years. So, yeah, I can own all that. I've seen it. I've had it pointed out to me enough times that I know my flaws. The light was the most confronting thing for me to acknowledge that I owned. But as I have acknowledged and begun to make friends with the light and the dark and the more that I have allowed both parts to exist within me, more that I have understood that both parts exist in me at the same time in that great paradox of light and dark being together, I have become more and more who I was. Mm. And when I say who I was, who I was always intended to be, I'm not denying parts of myself anymore. I'm owning them and I'm comfortable in owning them. Mm. And In all of that, I feel like we become more and more and more true to that initial blueprint of what we were going to be made to. Yes. Yeah. Although what we were made to, that our human choices and our human decisions kind of, you know, took us off the path a bit. But, again, that's that's exactly what the journey is. It's that becoming back to your who you were, you know, like mm. who your soul was and what you were blueprinted to come in and do. Yeah. You then get conditioned and it's unpacking all of that conditioning, all of the things, choices you've made, all of that sort of yeah. stuff. None of it's negative, but it's like it's like a, a rainbow, I'm going to say. Yeah. You come in on one end, you go through the journey, and then on the other end is you. Is the same yeah. person. It's almost actually it's a circle. You come back yep. to the circle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that is part of that thing. You know, when when we come in, we've been part of the spirit world. We yeah. are pure love, pure joy, pure happiness, pure connection to God. We are God source or goddess source. We come in and we have to know that we're individual. Mm. And so we are very egoic creatures through those first years of our life because we need to understand that we are not all of the people around us. So we make ourselves individual. So our parents could have been having a shitty day and we will make that about us. It's my fault because we need to know that we're separate from them. And in our rational conscious brain, of course it's not our fault that somebody's having a crappy day. It's not always our fault when our parents yell at us or whatever because, you know, let's face it, I can admit I've shouted at my kids when it's got nothing to do with them as well. Yeah. You know, one day they can pay for the therapy to sort, you know, sort yes. that out for themselves. <laughs> and I'll always be happy to join them in it, by the way, but uh, and go, yeah, you know what, I did screw up there. Sorry about that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Doing the best I could. But. You know, I guess it's that that part of it. And then as we become more individual, yeah. I, it feels like the next bit is actually about becoming more whole. Yeah. And finding our way back to that peace and joy and happiness and love and connection to everything else. That sounds really beautiful. I think a beautiful <laughs> journey anybody could go on. Like to look at it that way rather, you know, like everybody, a lot of people think I'm broken, I need to be fixed, and you don't at all. Like let's put that out there. You are perfect, beautiful, perfectly imperfect, beautiful, exactly yep. as you are. Um, but can we create more wholeness? And what would that look like mm. for you? Yeah, That's absolutely, cool. absolutely. And, you know, I listened to Glennon Doyle's um, podcast and she goes, you know, I am broken. My brain's broken. I'm like, no, you're not. That's why you see the world in such a beautiful, sparkly way. Like it's why you see the bittersweetness and the, and and I do, I sometimes want to scream at the podcast because I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, we're talking about this differently. Let's do it. Yeah. 
I know you are perfect as you are. And the reason, you know, and she's open about, you know, talking about her depression and, you know, all of the traumas from her life. And it's like, that's exactly why is, you know, so that you can do the work you're doing. And so, you know, I mean, that's obviously a higher profile example of it, but everybody in the same way, people with, you know, say neurodiversity, they're here to teach us to look at the world in a different way. Mm. People who are depressed actually see sometimes the world in very beautiful ways. Yeah. Even though they can see it through very dark lenses, there is a lot of beauty in it. And I see it from some of my depressed clients. I'm like, wow, as much as, you know, that may not be something that you can see the beauty in yet, that's actually a beautiful way of looking at things. And so it's ways that we are conditioned to be able to see the world in a different way, that if we then have the courage to go into the healing. And, and look, that's, that's not meant to be judgmental, but when we do have that courage to go into the healing and start to delve into this stuff, we can start to unpack some of that beauty and recognise it as beauty, whereas mm-hmm. before we may have seen it as pain or damage or whatever. And... I guess the reason I say that is, you know, some clients do come in and they either want the quick fix, they want the tablets, they want the, you know, somebody else to do the work for them, whatever it is. And again, no judgment there. That's actually how we've been trained is that there is pills for everything. The same way there's an app for everything, there's a pill for everything (laughs) and there should be a quick fix for everything. Um, So people do tend to want that immediacy of, of healing, of being fixed. And, The other thing is people have always been taught that their emotions are scary. Mm. And so they're afraid if they lift the Pandora's box on their emotions that they're never going to be able to close that box again. And again, sorry, (coughs) pardon me. Um, And again, that in itself then becomes... I guess as you delve into that box, you realise that that box can be closed and it can be healed so that when it does open, it's a lot less painful and scary. Yeah. And that is a... (coughs) Apologies. (laughs) No, all good. But that is a big journey for a lot of people around it's not safe for me to feel my emotions. (coughs) It's not safe for me to um, have a display of emotion because I've been told that... You know, being angry doesn't serve anybody. Being, you know, frustrated mm. at the world doesn't serve anybody. <clears throat> being sad, like, just get on with it. Just, you know, yeah. move through it. Like, why are you wasting your time, that kind of stuff, when, yeah, yeah it's it's actually safe to sit with those things. And I think um, somebody that I follow, she talks about the fact that, you know, the worst thing we can do in the world is actually feel an emotion. And when you learn to sit with that emotion or that feeling, and you can see that it's not scary, you go, oh, fuck, I can do anything. <laughs> I yeah. can do anything if I can sit with these emotions. Yeah. yeah. And because the emotions that we do experience are just telling us what the stories are going on in our subconscious. Yeah. Because an emotion is just a reaction. And the way that we experience an emotion, the reason we have so-called good emotions, is that's our soul going, yes, I want more of that. And the so-called bad emotions are actually I don't want as much of that. It's just a guidepost. Yeah. And all of those big so-called scary emotions of anger and rage and wrath and grief and sadness and hurt, all of those really big emotions are all there Because if we didn't experience them, we wouldn't be able to experience true joy and happiness. We need both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. And people sort of want to stay in this tiny little middle bit of balance or okayness or whatever it is. But without feeling grief, we can never touch the true heights of joy. And when we numb, we cut off both ends of the spectrum. And so we narrow our emotional range and our our range that we can actually experience. And the more we can hold safe containers for our clients um, as they're experiencing these emotions, 
the safer they are then to do it on their own. You know, I needed people to guide me through it in the first part because I didn't know really how to do it. How do I feel these emotions? You know, how do I unpack this? Like I wouldn't have had a clue. And that's part of that practice that I've really enjoyed in both what I still have done for me because I still work with kinesiologists and coaches and all the rest of it and what I then can do for my clients in doing that is being able to hold that space and being the safe person so that people know that they can open that Pandora's box and then safely shut it and work on the bits that they've released and then as they work on those bits, we're ready to open it again and get to the next layer. Yeah. But also that we can close it in between time. Mm. We don't need to leave it open and just have you in this big swell of emotion. We do it at the right rate for your nervous system, for your healing journey, for what you can cope with. Mm. And I think that's where that professional aspect comes in. And that's that's the thing that I love most about my job because in doing it in those accessible bite-sized chunks it builds the safety that people haven't had before to feel what they need to feel yeah and then the safer they feel in that the more layers we can kind of chunk through at a time which is pretty amazing yeah and it can get faster too can't it like it doesn't it's not like just one at a one at a time Often yeah. it might start that way, but then it just gets faster and faster. And then it's like, okay, I had an experience recently where I said, I just need a break. We're just going to put the brakes on for a minute and I'll come back. It was yeah. a healing thing that I was doing um, through somebody and I just said, I just need a couple of weeks off. I've had a bit of, you know, OTT um, or yeah. full-on personal development kind of stuff. There's been a lot going on. I just, yeah. And it was great. So I took the break but then went, okay, now I'm ready to come back. Let's do it. Let's get yeah. in. So. It's safe and you can yeah. start to, you know, that's where the intuition comes in. You start to follow what's true for you as opposed to what the external world is telling you that you have to be here every week and you have to turn up at 9 o'clock and you have to do blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the beauty of it. Um, and, and you know, doing it at your own pace is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a year in 2017 where I think I was at school 26 weekends and when we were at school, Um, So that I did heaps of extra courses that year as well as, you know, finishing off my diploma and doing my advanced diploma. And it worked out to 26 weekends of school. So in that time I was studying and in the study we do the technique and we are the client for the technique. So we pair up and, you know, you practice each way. Plus then you're doing study sessions with people from your class. Plus I was working with I think four or five different kinesiologists that year as well as I was working with my naturopath who also does some emotional clearing stuff and probably a couple of other people as well. So in 2017, I cleared shit tons. But the reason I did it on that fast forward was because that was my soul's journey to do. And my soul was going, right, let's clear this stuff. It got to the end of 2017 and I, I actually went into Vipassana and I was sitting there. That's actually when I worked out how often I'd been at school um, in all of those <laughs> hours of silence. Um, and I kind of went, okay, so 2018, I'm just going to consolidate what I've done. I'll just go down to my one or two kinesiologists because they all obviously work in different ways. So I had, you know, two that I, I worked with quite well. I worked with my naturopath, but pretty much everybody else dropped off at that point because I was like, no, I just need to narrow my focus a little bit. I was still doing my advanced diploma, which was still giving me, you know, one weekend a month at school. I'm like, no, that's enough. And then, you know, since then I've gone through stages where I'll have, you know, heaps of sessions and I'll go through a bit of a drought and then I'll go through a stage where I, you know, book another three or five sessions and then... I'll have some time off. So, yeah, you do learn to intuitively navigate your own healing journey to your own capability. And when you do have things that you want to be bringing into the world, you will go through that stage where you're like, right, I'm going to do three months of weekly sessions or I'm going to do eight weeks of weekly sessions or whatever it is and you're just going to smash it out because you're like, right, I want to get to this next stage because this is the goal. Yeah. And then other times it will be much more no. Let's just chill out, let it, you know, flow along a little bit more steadily. Yeah. So it's like following the seasons, you know, summer Mm. into autumn. 
you know, yep. finding that flow and you're doing that in about smaller chunks, not the three months of the season, but you're doing it within what is the seasons of your life effectively and what is my what is my life telling me, what is my intuition, yeah. what is my soul guiding me to do now, yeah. Yep, awesome. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Before we get into the wrap-up questions, is there anything <laughs> else that you wanted to add? No, look, I love the conversations when they just go all over the place and you don't know what you're to expect when you start out. So, because it is, it's so much like life in general. It's just, you know, see where it takes you and, you know, follow the good bits around. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's been amazing. So, like, I'm a massive believer in self-love. Self-love has been part of my healing journey. So I'd love to know what's one thing that you do for (sighs) self-love. My whole life basically comes down to that question of what is most loving for myself in this moment and sometimes that is not the easy thing you know I flew back from Adelaide on Sunday night and it was cold and damp and I'm like no I need to go for my swim in the ocean I will feel better and so I went down for my cold water swim and even when I'm in there I'm like what are you doing you know (laughs) like seriously but it did I, I felt better for it you know um so sometimes the most self-loving thing you can do doesn't always feel like wrapping yourself in a blanket. Um, I also think self-love has been massively commodified. Mm-hmm. So it's about getting to the real nuts and bolts of what self-love actually is, which is about having strong boundaries, knowing when to say yes and when to say no, mm-hmm. knowing what you at a deep level need rather than wish or want. Yeah. <laughs> so, and what's the yeah. intention behind so everything. it? Yeah, I, I like to talk yeah, about, you know, exactly. what's the intention behind it? Is it that you're running away from, which people, you know, I have been, have done in the past, you're running away from what's happening within your family or yep. can you, I intentionally go, no, no, I'm going to choose this, consciously choose that yes. as opposed to, yeah, the yeah. alternative, yeah. Yeah, exactly, oh. which, is, which is for me coming down to that question of what is the most self-loving thing I can do right now. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And if, you know, you've given us heaps of amazing information in the podcast today. So if myself and the listeners could take one thing out, implement it into our own lives, in in our life, in service of you, what would that be? I think it's about going in before you look at the shiny external influences. It really is getting to know your own heart and soul Mm. and trusting that above everything else. Yeah. And you can start that practice with small things, can't you? It doesn't have to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, start with one. I always say to my clients, start with one tiny thing, even if it's just working out what you want for lunch each day. You know, if you have a choice between McDonald's and a salad and your body's going, yes, I want a salad, and you're like, screw it, I'm having McDonald's, you will feel worse for it. You know, I know it's such a tiny thing, but they're those ones that you actually practice with your intuition on, that you feel into. You know, or do I need to have three glasses of wine with dinner? You know, do, was one consciously drunk glass of wine actually going to do more for me? Yeah. And I can tell you from experience, I've done both many times over. And, you know, some nights when I consciously just sip at a glass of red, I get so much more satisfaction from it. Yeah. Because it's, it's that I'm consciously choosing to experience it or with cake or whatever it is, you know, if I consciously do it, there's, I need less for it to nourish me and fill me up. Yeah. And so doing things with a consciousness is is just life-changing. Yeah, beautiful. All right, so where can everybody find you, come and work with you, get your book, all of that sort of stuff? Where could they do that? So uh, my website is w www.amandakate.com.au and you can pick up my book from there, which I think is cheaper than Book Depository or Though I think you've just got to search it around, but usually it is. Um, and that also has information on how to work with me. I do one-on-one sessions and I'm also, I've just launched my intuition development circles, which are a subscription. There are four sessions a month and you can come to as many or as few as you want. And there will be um, a Facebook group whereby we can ask questions, get guidance, and it'll be a mix of intuition like development tools and practices and coaching and clearings and belief system 
working through and emotional fluency and all of those sorts of things because everything like that adds into your intuitive development. So that's going to be super fun and that kicks off actually uh, the 26th of July. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm super excited by that. And then I'm on all the socials. So I'm at, on Facebook at Amanda Kate Transformation. I am Amanda underscore underscore Kate at Instagram. I've just started on TikTok having fun with that and that's at Divinely Messy. Um, so, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of places, which is awesome. And you're having fun yep. with TikTok? Oh, it has been good so far. I, I, I'm just trying to play with it at the moment yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> My husband's obsessed. I got him into reels on Instagram and he was like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, like down the rabbit hole and then somehow found TikTok and he's like down the rabbit hole there too. Yeah. That's <laughs> good fun. Uh, it is. It's it's good fun. I have yeah. to limit myself because otherwise I'll, you know, I, I am I am never stuck for ideas, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for today. This has been a fabulous oh, conversation going deep and I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.